Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Over to Ning, and now Trevor Van Riemsdyk, far corner. And back to the goal. Justin Williams, near point flurry. One-timer taken. They score! A tip out in front, and a bomb from Nino Niederreiter from downtown. 16-17 left in the opening period. Carolina. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. Adam Gold, after a very unusual occurrence, I do believe I saw the Hurricanes score the first goal. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I believe the Hurricanes scored first. Like the other team didn't have a goal at the time Carolina scored their first goal. That's what getting an early lead apparently uh, is. When you score before the other team does, gives you a lead. Unbelievable. All right, lots to get to today. We're going to talk to Trip Tracy a little bit later on. He, of course, is the Hurricanes radio TV analyst. He works with John Forslund. You all know that. Uh, You also know that if you're listening to this, uh, maybe you haven't already, maybe you will, maybe you'll tell a friend, if I could just speak just for a second, uh, to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, download it, so it shows up in your feed automatically. If you want to give it a rating, great. This would be a great time to give it a rating because it was a good game. Uh, It wasn't a great game for Carolina, but it was a good game and a good start to a homestand. So a lot to get to. So let's see how much of it we can get through uh, before we get to Trip Tracy, uh, Hurricanes analyst. We have been sitting here talking about the Hurricanes needing support scoring. One of the the things that Rod Brindamore feared, putting Svechnikov, Aho, and Teravainen together, was you've taken your three best offensive players, and I'm actually going to amend that and say your three best players, non-defense division, and you put them on the same line. They're not the only team that does this. Colorado does it with um, McKinnon, Rantanen, and uh, Landeskog. Boston does it, obviously, with uh, Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak. Uh, and Carolina's doing it now with Aho, Svechnikov, and Teravainen. The drawback is, if you don't get support scoring, you're probably going to lose. This team has been looking for it. They got it tonight. You heard the Nino Niederreiter goal, and we can get, we'll can we get into that play a little bit more with Trip Tracy uh, when he joins us in just a few. But good play by the entire line, really a play started by Hayden Fleury in the defensive zone. He also took the first shot. That uh, that really led to the play in Natchez with a nice uh, feed back out to Flurry over to uh, Nino for uh, a blast from the point. That was great. And uh, even though Carolina gave up the next goal, and we'll talk about that in a second, uh, Carolina got back on it. 
and Warren Fogle. Right off the draw, Stahl wins a faceoff. Fogle goes to the middle of the ice right between the circles. Uh, Brett Pesci gets the shot through, although it was stopped by Fogle, who then uh, beat Louis Domingue in net. And it was 2-1, and that's how the period ended. But we're talking about getting guys other than Aho, Teravainen, and Svechnikov to create goals, and that is what the head coach has been looking going for. And that certainly moves in the right direction. Yeah, uh, Nino was that, that line was actually pretty effective all night, and we need that, right? We need that. We know the, you know, the Aho line seems to be going pretty good. They made a couple nice plays, um, and so. You know, it's, but we need more. So that's that came huge. That the hollow line came had a good game too. Nina said he could remember the last time he scored from the blue line. But, uh, nice well, to you know what? He, if there's a guy that probably deserved a goal. It's probably him, and he's had a you know tough year that way. And you know, it's uh, nice to see him get on the score sheet. How important is confidence? You see, Hayden Fleury seems like he's getting something. Obviously, Nino scoring probably helps him with that. Well, I think it's huge uh, for individuals and then it actually for our team, too. I mean, it's we got to kind of get that swagger back a little bit. And, and it starts with, uh, you know, to me, just getting back to the basics and trusting in your game. And, and regardless of whether you score or not, I mean, that, they always look to that because everyone talks about it. But to me, it's just playing the right way and then goals will come. And, uh, you know, we saw that tonight. What did you see from Peter? Well, same thing you did. You know, I mean, we the first goal is nothing to do about it, and then, like I said, when we needed the saves, that's that's the difference in the game. I think. I mean, it was a tight game, really, going back and forth, and you know, they they um, they played they played a good game. They 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 had a lot of chances, and Peter, well, was a wall back there for us. You didn't get to play on your birthday at all, but does that factor in at all to your decision to play him? Are you like it? Get him out there. So it's obviously his birthday. <laughs> I did not know that. I got him. No, I did not. Yeah, so Rod doesn't know that it's uh, Peter Morozik's birthday. He didn't get him anything. Uh, well, that's a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe what he actually gave him was the gift of confidence. Morozik was outstanding tonight. First goal, absolutely not on him. And here's what's interesting to me is that uh, the Devils had a lot of really good chances tonight, and I didn't think Carolina played a particularly great game early. I didn't think they played a particularly good game. Neither team really did uh, for much of the second period. Uh, but and we'll get to this in a second. We'll get to the the uh, the three one goal in a second. Uh, but Peter made some really big saves early in the game, uh, and then was outstanding late as the game just kind of just kind of I don't know couple of penalties, five on three. Peter had to make a bunch of saves, made some really good ones. So Peter was outstanding tonight. And who knows, maybe this gets Peter on a roll. We talked about it before. Uh, this is the time of the season last year where Morazic just got on one. And his last, I mean, I'm pulling the numbers out sort of off memory, uh, but his last 15 starts last year, goals against just over two, save percentage about 945 almost. And uh, he was 12-2-1 in that stretch. So this team's not making the playoffs unless Morazic plays well. Uh, they're also not going to make the playoffs unless Nino Niederreiter takes this game as a jumping-off point. So good to get Warren Fogle on the score sheet, but he's not expected to score. Nino Niederreiter has 
He scored his eighth goal tonight. Eighth goal of the season. This was game 57. That's, it's, you can't, that can't happen. I mean, he's a 20-some-odd goal scorer guy. He's not the only one who hasn't been scoring this year. We have, well, you know, Ryan Dezingle hasn't scored. Eric Hall, Paula scored at Vegas, but really he's got one goal, I think, in 16 games. So Nino's got to score. And I think he's also a little bit of a pulse for the, uh, for the back end of this team. So look, we'll talk very quickly talk about the, uh, the sloppiness. Really, the first 11 minutes of the game, uh, it was 1-1. It was uh, 9-2 in favor of the Devils in terms of shots on goal. Uh, And the sloppy play manifested itself in a quick line change for Rod Brindamore. He had Stahl playing with Fogel and uh, McGinn early on. And like the, they were hemmed in in the first shift. Uh, Stahl ended up taking a penalty at the end of it. A couple of minutes later, maybe two or so minutes after uh, the Hurricanes made it 1-0, uh, Brock McGinn makes a mistake in the offensive zone, uh, loses the puck. It goes the other way, and then somebody named Mirko Mueller uh, has an easy tap-in goal on, a, on an odd man rush that was really started in the offensive end, and no, none of the forwards could get back in time. Uh, and Rod was mad. Rod didn't like that. And uh, so he broke up. He, put, he flipped McGinn and Williams, moved million, Williams with Stahl and, and Fogel. A line I think will ultimately be pretty good. Uh, and he dropped McGinn down with Dezingle and Lucas Walmark. There's some guys that need to get back going again. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Carolina's top two lines for sure were absolutely dynamite. Uh, and then after what I thought was some really uninspiring hockey from both teams for the first dozen or so minutes of the second period, this happened. A career best, 31 goals and counting for Seabass. And this is game number 57, out through center. Svechnikov a drop pass, Ajo swings it for terrifying. And in front, they score! That's hockey, baby! What a play, finished off by Andre Svechnikov. Tick-tack goal. 6-14 left in the second, 3-1, Carolina. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, eighth game in a row for Ajo with a point, seven goals and five assists in that span. Uh, Ajo wins a draw. Pesci makes a nice, nice play with his skate to get the play going. Uh, and then uh, Svechnikov, little drop pass to Ajo just inside the line. Ajo makes a cross-ice pass to Tara Vinen, who makes a diagonal pass right to the back post for Svechnikov, and it really was. It was tic-tac goal. It was fantastic. Those guys were, I, I, I can't even describe it. If you're, a, uh, if you're an analytics person, maybe this will help you. Uh, Teravine and Ajo and Svechnikov on the ice together had a, uh, an 89.47 uh, Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, they generated... 17 shots on, not on goal, but shots, shot attempts, and allowed just two. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Those guys were absolutely dominant all over the ice. Uh, And it's, as long as they play well, Rod will probably leave it together regardless. 
but it's much easier when you're getting the support scoring. Uh, and Natchez, Halla, and Nino Niederreiter were also very, very good tonight. I didn't think Halla was great, but I thought the two wingers were, and I thought that made it a little bit easier on Halla. But that line was outstanding. It's 3-1 after 2. Uh, the only way this was going to get sideways is if Carolina came out asleep to start the third. They were not. A uh, couple of more goals ensued, including uh, a really good play as guess who gets to the dirty area? Repensi now back of the goal. Nino Niederreiter, who started the scoring tonight, kicks it out near side for Gardner. Midpoint, hammered by Hama. Tip to me. No! It ricochets in. It was knocked down out in front. And the Canes will take the bounce and take a 4-1 to one lead. Eric Hollow with uh, with the shot from the point. He doesn't get an assist on it. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, Martin Natchez deflects it. It doesn't go past Louis Domingue, but he deflects it down. And uh, then it was Damon Severson, I guess it was, uh, New Jersey defenseman, who ultimately swept it into the goal. But Nino Niederreiter was in, uh, was right out on top of the crease, and Natchez in front. Uh, and that's the way it's going to look on most nights if you're playing the right way. You're getting inside the dots uh, and you are creating problems for a defense that isn't as good to begin with. But you, get, you, you should be able to do that against good teams too. You have to at least try. And tonight the Hurricanes did get to the front of the net. Uh, and that was a nice goal. That made it 4-1. Joel Edmondson came out of the penalty box uh, a little bit later on. Niederreiter fed him for a breakaway uh, to make it 5-1, there was a goal allowed that made it 5-2, and that was the final. But the truth is, is that the Hurricanes uh, got away with some uneven play, but they were pretty doggone good when they had to be. And now, if if today is an indication, maybe they've got two scoring lines, because Halla, Niederreiter, and Natchez, if they can produce... Now Carolina's got something that they can take going forward. And forward will be Edmonton on Sunday. Uh, We're going to take a very short break, and then we'll come back with the Hurricanes analyst, the one and only Trip Tracy. Welcome back to the Morning After Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for subscribing to this. I know you have. Even if you haven't, I know you will. If you want to give us a rating, After last night's game, that would be the right thing to do because you're all in a good mood, so I'm sure you'll give it a good rating. And um, give me some feedback. Also, if you like it, tell me what you like. If you don't like it, uh, then you're you're probably not going to rate it anyway. Uh, All right. I have a guest. All right, Trip Tracy. Let's let's start with just like a ballpark view of, of what we saw tonight, which I don't think was aesthetically pleasing throughout. There were part of the first 15 minutes of, you know, 13, 14 minutes of the second period were not good. The start wasn't good other than they scored the first goal. But the rest of it was pretty good. Well, you're bringing back memories because <laughs> I remember there was a game um, several years ago, first day after Christmas. It wasn't on TV. It was against New Jersey. It oh, was okay. a game Cam Ward ended up getting credit for a goal. Okay. Okay, and it didn't start the right way. And we went to Pittsburgh the next night, and John and I talked about 
you know, there are all sorts of ways to try to get in front of the game. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you come out and you're flying. Sometimes it's a big hit. Sometimes it's a big kill. (laughs) Remember at the time, Jimmy Rutherford was mad at us for not just saying it was a good start. Right. This one was just okay. And I point back to that early kill in the first couple minutes. And I know as as a former goaltender that if you can get through a kill, especially if you're at a bit of a fork in the roads type start, mm-hmm. it will build confidence in your game if you're Peter. It'll turn your brain off in the right way, and it'll build confidence in the guys in front of you. So I look at that kill in the first couple of minutes, where I thought New Jersey was very good in the first 10 minutes of the I game. I thought so too, yeah. And then I guess the other big takeaways, you know, looking at it in a 60-minute in a way, would be that you got goals from two different lines other than the Ajo line mm-hmm. in the first period. Um, Hayden Fleury, I thought, had his best practice of the year uh, yesterday, and I think it might have been his best NHL game. Pesci was terrific. With no Dougie, you're going to need offensively mm-hmm. um, creative and productive defensemen without pressing. Uh, and then the second period, it was the star-studded show. Yeah. It really began with a heck of a play on a 50-50 puck from Pesci to allow the, you know, the Svechnikov to Ajo right. to, to uh, Teravine. In fact, the Svechnikov play to materialize. And then I thought the four check had to be an asset in the third period against a team that played last night. So those were all the things that, that I'm going to drive home and really feel good about tonight. Well, because you brought up Peter first, so let's go uh, to Peter, who played pretty good, I thought, in Dallas. You know, maybe one of the goals he would like back. Uh, but I thought there was enough good there to maybe where he's starting to build some confidence. I thought he was good tonight. The first goal, certainly not on him. I didn't see because I was in the corner opposite the uh, the goal, so I really didn't even see the the, uh, the second goal. Uh, but I thought Peter came up big, made some big saves. He looked calm, which is good for Peter when he's when the movement's not crazy. I think he's pretty good. It, calm is the operative word, and he and I battle about this sometimes because. You know, I, I thought in Dallas he played 56, 57 really good minutes and calm minutes, mm-hmm. reading the play minutes, seeing through traffic uh, minutes. Um, and it, right before that, Dennis Giriano, beautiful blast from right. way outside. He had a chance to, to grab a puck and get a whistle. You know, he said he never saw it till the last second, so that's why he couldn't. What I did notice on that first early good kill he didn't like where his shoulder was on that Guriana power play goal, and he made a save on the short side post where you could see how much he elevated his shoulder to seal that. And that's, in my opinion, a takeaway from the previous game. Right. After that, he was particularly, particularly calm. When necessary, he was compact. He let the play come to him. Uh, again, like I saw in Dallas, he was very active in locating pucks, which is usually, I think, a telltale barometer as to whether or not you're mm-hmm. engaged in the game. Uh, and then I know the game was in hand uh, when the Devils had the five-on-three late, but this is important for him. It's important for him, not that he, he cares about wins. He doesn't care about statistics, but to come up with those two gigantic saves yeah. on that five-on-three and keep it at two, you know, that allows him to feel good about himself going home on his birthday mm-hmm and have a completely good takeaway out of this game other than just the all-important two points. Rod didn't know it was his birthday, and I said, you obviously didn't get him anything, and, uh, and Rod agreed. He didn't get, uh, didn't get Peter anything for his birthday. Um, support scoring. This team has needed it. Svechnikov, Ajo, and Teravainen have been great. This is much better than they were the, when they were 
together earlier in the year. They were good earlier, but they've been great, and they've been great really throughout you know all three zones. But to get the Hall line going, and Nino scored, and Natchez had the deflection goal, uh, and Fogel with a with a nice play for a goal. I mean, they can't win if they don't get stuff like that. You know, I, I'm really hoping, first and foremost, the first star in the building, that this is going to be a night that we're going to remember for Nino Niederreiter. Um, it was by far, I think, his best game of the season. Um, and it started with good habits. Uh, he stopped and started on the four check and eventually filled for a pinching Trevor Van Riemsdyk mm-hmm. and then was ready to simplify and shoot the puck right. uh, on his goal. So those are all good habits that whether you get rewarded or not, eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you back um, in, a, in, a, in a nice direction and trajectory, and it's going to help your team win. And then he starts to get some confidence. He drew a penalty in the second period where right. he, he out-battled. Uh, he won the will battle with Wayne Simmons uh, and gets the the interior of the ice first. So that's another memorable uh, point in the game. And then he had the mental awareness to recognize when Joel Edmondson is coming out of the box and to hit him with that mm-hmm. uh, pass with you know really good velocity. So those are all you know parts of his game that are memorable to me. And, and you and I talked about it yesterday. What frustrated me and disappointed me about Nino in Dallas was that I didn't remember him at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember goal scores over the years. I pointed, I will always remember Gary Roberts, my first year, a former 50-goal scorer, that he might have gone 25, 30 games without scoring. But he dug in and he did other things that you remember to try to help the team win before he eventually you know, got out of that uh, goalless drought. Yeah, look, I thought that, that line was good. And, and Nino mentioned that he has some chemistry and familiarity with Halla when they played together in Minnesota. So, uh, and... It was the first time all year we've seen that trio together. And this, there's a little heaviness because Nino can play a little bit more physical. And I thought uh, Natchez played, a, played one of his better games in a while because I think he's just kind of been drifting a little bit more than anything. He's, uh, what's going to be interesting for Natchez first, then I want to touch upon Hala, is he made a play in the third period after you know he got to the front of the net and gets a goal that he deserved You know because he tips it and goes right. off of Seavers and stick. Then he made a play where he nearly set up what would have been the second highlight real goal of the night. Great play. He's such a great skater. So at times, at times, it'll make sense for him to turn and burn and loop, if you will, and use the east-west portion of the rink offensively to create offense. Mm -hmm. But you have to mix that with stopping and starting defensively. And I thought the shifts that I remember, and the coaches will go back and look at them all, I thought he was very simple. I thought he was very urgent. I thought that um, he took a lot of pride in his defense tonight. So that's Natchez. Howla, you know, I said at one point during the simulcast, uh, Adam, that I thought it was his best game in quite some mm-hmm. time. I know he scored that beautiful goal from Gardner's pass uh, that Vegas, was part of the third right. period, but I, I don't remember his night that much beyond that. Mm-hmm. I remember him tonight being heavy. Um, using his quickness. His quickness is, a, is I think, in a forechecking way um, and finding a way to get to the paint first. So I'm hoping big breakout night for, for Niederreiter. I'm hoping that this is the start of a good trend for Howla too because I thought he had a lot of quality shifts, and I agree with you uh, about the chemistry that you mentioned with those guys. Yeah, and they need, if, if, if Rod's going to leave the, the three, the big three together, 
then somebody else has to do it. And somebody else has to be consistently dangerous. That line has the opportunity to do it. We saw a checking line at the start of the game. We saw a stall with Fogel and McGinn. That was broken up nine minutes in because I think the mistake on the first goal, and I guess Brock made the mistake uh, along the left wall uh, in uh, kind of losing the puck, and then nobody got back. Um, what do you like with Willie and Stahl and Fogel? They were together at the very beginning of last season, uh, but uh, I don't know. They look they look much better tonight. Um, well, Justin Williams, in at the appropriate times, holds on to pucks in the offensive zone, and that allows you to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. and make a team defend. And whether you get rewarded on that particular shift or it's several shifts later, there is a chain reaction that's all good to that. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Justin Williams, I think, could be very good for Jordan Stahl relocating his confidence. Uh, Jordan Stahl, I'm not going to say that he had a, he had a great night, but after having a really tough night in the faceoff circle <laughs> right. in Dallas, on his tougher side, his forehand side on Fogel's goal, he came way down with the, right. the top hand and won that draw cleanly. So that's a subtlety that is a takeaway uh, for me. But the little things that Justin Williams will say on the bench, you can say talk about the dressing room, but on the bench with his mm-hmm. line mates, and in particular Jordan Stahl, if he is to stay with him, I think could expedite the process of Jordan feeling better about himself in in all areas, in all facets, and at some point hopefully relocating his offensive confidence as well. All right, two more quick things, and we're, we're going to move past Pesci, who I thought played, I thought was wonderful tonight, but I always think Pesci's great. Yeah, I uh, and I think he should probably, I don't know the rule, should he have had a third assist? Because he shot the puck on the Natchez deflection goal, but th- do you erase that? Because Severson actually puts it in his own net? It's a great question because he was offensively dangerous in this entire game, and he had had a great pinch on that goal. Boy, I don't know. You know, you see now my mind's drifting because I'm thinking about the play that he made in the defensive zone with the with his skate to come up with a puck before the the highlight reel the, tally the from goal, Right. Yes. And I mean, I wish that I wish you could award another assist there because <laughs> it doesn't happen right. without Brad Brad Pat. You could make the argument that he makes the most pivotal play. Right. Um, and, you know, with Dougie Hamilton, you know, on the scooter doing the siren, that was terrific to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're going to need, without pressing, without going for it when it's not there, you're going to need defensemen to be a part of the attack, uh, both in transition and from the offensive blue line. And I think for the most part, A.G., this year, we have seen Brett Pesci make really good decisions based upon what's given to him at the offensive blue line. Case in point, Jordan Stowe wins that draw. Fogel's going in for a 50-50 mm-hmm. puck on his goal. As soon as he recognizes Jordan's won it cleanly, he tight turns, goes to the net, and Brett holds onto it for a split second right. longer just to allow Warren to get there. So then he has a good pinch, and I would agree, you know, give him an assist based on, you know, how the play happens. You know, I, I wish there was gray area in some of that um, because it doesn't happen without that. And then the highlight reel tally, um, you know, he makes, I, you right. could argue, the biggest play. And then one other takeaway from Pesci, and you're right. You know, we, you said you don't really want to talk because I mean, he, he might be talk, the most underrated defenseman I could in the league. Talk, I could talk about him or to him all the time. Okay, tight hockey game in the second period. Kyle Palmieri has time and space. Kyle Palmieri's he had good numbers against the yeah. Canes. He's got 21 goals, and he's got a nice gap. He's right in the slot. 
He's going to get a really good chance, and Brett goes, stick on puck, shot doesn't happen. Yep. You know, this game could have gone down a completely different uh, path had he not done that. Um, so you expect that from, from, from Pesci. I mean, I was just thrilled. I've mentioned it with, with Hayden Flurry in this hockey yeah. game, and, and I'm hopeful that that can really generate some increased confidence for him because he looked like a player that had confidence. Well, we'll, and we'll close on the Pesci, uh, rather the, uh, the Flurry play, because the first goal, and, and, and Hayden gets an assist on yeah. the first goal, but he makes the play yeah. in the defensive zone that leads to everything, and he was. It took him a long time to get down the ice because I think he got he got uh, hit he got, along. He got pounded. He, he took uh, took a hit to make yeah. a play, paid the price, and then he comes in and takes the first shot just wide. Yeah. And I again, I think I think you and I have talked about this before. I thought he turned the Arizona game around, getting his first shot yeah. from the middle of the ice to the goal, which led to their first goal. Um, but that play, the, that shot, and then he makes the pass. Over to Nino after Van Riemsdyk was kind of in, and actually Van Riemsdyk looked like he screened yeah. uh, Deming on the play. I thought Hayden has played well, and I think he has played well. You and I sat in uh, in the lower bowl in practice yesterday, and he has played very well. And the one step that I've been looking for him to take defensively is to make harder plays whether it be to use his skating ability and possess the puck and maybe be a one-man breakout, skate himself out of trouble. You look back at that clip, he takes that big hit. He knows it's coming, but he cleared that puck. He rimmed it with a purpose. It was a hard play. So that's what I like. The first couple years of his career when he's been in, he would have taken that hit. The puck would have stayed right there and all likelihood would have turned over in New Jersey's favor. Knew the hit was coming, he paid the price, and he hard-rimmed it. So that gets it out in the first place, and then he trails it for the initial entry. Um, That's what I liked most about that. I thought in the second period he had some long shifts with the long second Mm -hmm. period change, and when when physically he was tired, his brain didn't turn off. He had a good (laughs) stick, including on a two-on-one. And I just want to just touch on something that I thought was really astute that you mentioned, because you mentioned that Rod did not remember it's Peter Morozik's birthday. With how good Reimer's been, Rod Brindamore, you and I both know what a loyal human being he is. Mm-hmm. And if, if, especially if, if you've been in the trenches with him, you've had success with him, he isn't somebody that is you know, going to forget about who he came to the dance with. And so I think the biggest gift that Rod could give Peter on his birthday is these two consecutive starts. This is the guy that went over and hugged Rod after Brock McGinn scored in overtime in Game 7. And that's about... The biggest gift that he could give Peter is showing that belief and that confidence and that trust in him. So that's that's a pretty good birthday moment, I think, yeah. from the coach to the goalie. This is uh, this is the time where Peter turned it around last year. Yeah, his last fifteen starts were bananas good. Yeah. So hopefully they can do that. All right, we'll see you uh, Sunday against Edmonton. Thanks, Ag. The best, Trip Tracy, Hurricanes analyst. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see Peter Morozik go a third straight game, uh, and then the road warrior that has been James Reimer all year will get the game in Nashville, uh, but a 4 o'clock start against Edmonton. Uh, and who knows, man? Carolina needs a stretch. They have not won four games in a row in a long time. And, of course, they have only won one in a row. Here's some uh, some ramifications of tonight. Uh, the Blue Jackets were home losers to the Rangers this evening. So Carolina gains ground on one of the teams that they are chasing. Uh, 
And uh, the Hurricanes now with 57 or uh, 69 points, nice in 57 games, just two games, but two points behind Columbus, but with two games in hand as the Blue Jackets have 71 points in 59 games. So again, games in hand are great, but then of course you have to go and win those games. Uh, so Carolina took care of one tonight, although uh, they still don't. They still have two games in hand on Columbus. One in on Philadelphia. The Flyers are just two points ahead. So uh, and Philadelphia will play uh, coming up later on on Saturday. Uh, so here's the standings right now. The Islanders will just give you the Islanders in third third place in the Metro, even though 72 points in 56 games, uh, they have been tremendous. Um, Toronto, also idle, in third place in the Atlantic Division, 68 points in 58 games. Carolinas actually has a better record and a game in hand uh, on Toronto, and they'll play Toronto, be the last game before the trade deadline. Uh, Philadelphia, 71 points. Columbus, 71 points. Uh, Man's the two wild card spots. And then you have the Hurricanes with 69 points. A three-point lead over Florida. Both of those teams have played 57 games. Florida's in fourth place in the wild card race. And I've kind of said this a bunch this year, and it's never really been true until now. The Rangers are kind of a problem. The Rangers, 64 points, 57 games, and Carolina will play the Rangers uh, coming up here at PNC Arena uh, when they get back from Nashville. I believe it's a week from tonight. So the Hurricanes uh, gain some ground on the field. Uh, Hurricanes obviously will not play on Saturday. Three games of note. Philadelphia will be in Tampa, Toronto in Ottawa, and the Islanders will play at Vegas, so maybe a day where Carolina can uh, do a little scoreboard watching and get a little help. I want to thank Trip Tracy. Uh, I want to thank you for hanging out and listening. Uh, subscribe to it, download it, rate it. Shows up on your phone, all or wherever you get your podcast. Doesn't make a difference where you, where you do it. Uh, and if you want to give me a rating, you want to just give me feedback. That would be fine too. You can almost always hit me on Twitter at a gold fan. I thank you very much for hanging out on the morning after podcast. Talk to you Sunday after the Canes take on the Edmonton Oilers. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.